opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope. Brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. And welcome to a very important show here on Voice Today. As parents and individuals with autism, we have learned to be teachers to help our children learn in unique and special ways. We have needed to become doctors so our children can heal in unique and special ways. But today's calling is for political activism, yet another hat that we must wear as parents to obtain rights to choose our children's own healing path. Today, we will, be, we will be covering the compounding pharmacy bill that is hopefully we can defer it from being introduced into legislation. The effect of this bill could take away a large majority of the exclusive medications that help our children and ourselves. With me today, I truly have an all-star cast. I have joining with me, I have Wendy Fournier, who is the mother of a seven-year-old daughter with autism. She is the president of the National Autism Association, a parent-run nonprofit organization dedicated to helping families affected by autism through its research, funding, family care programs, and definitely political advocacy. Wendy is also active on a local level working with nonprofit autism organizations and running a parent support group in her home state of Rhode Island where she and her husband Paul live with their three children. I also have joining me Marcy Kelly, who is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing of Wedgwood Pharmacy, a specialty pharmacy that provides compounded medications to parents when commercially available medications are not available or suitable. She is also mom to Dylan, diagnosed with autism at age two, and a veteran of biomedical intervention that treats the underlying conditions associated with autism. I have a consultant from the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists, Joshua Wendorf, has led the organization's Rx for Success public affairs campaign since it launched two years ago. The campaign is designed to ensure that the millions of patients who rely on compounded medicines will continue to have access to them. I also have with me Angie Chatwood, who is the Assistant Pharmacy Manager in Quality Control, and Mary Ann Davis, who is the Pharmacy Manager for Wellness Pharmacy. They have a wonderful comprehensive autism support program, and it is one of the few of its kind. They are dedicated to the belief that autism can, in many instances, be reversed through a biomedical intervention. Wellness has created one, a one-stop resource for quality products, and they specialize in various injectables, um, IV glutathione, TDFD, antifungals, injectable methyl B12, uh, DMSA, DMPS, EDTA, low-dose naltrexone, numbing creams, oxytocin, and secretin. Wellness also provides supplements from Allergy Resource Group, American Biologics, BioBody, uh, Bio Cardiovascular Research, Claire Labs, MMS Pro, Kirkman Labs, and Nordic Naturals. Thank you, everybody, for being on the show today. Thanks, Betsy. Thanks, Thank Betsy. You. I think the very first thing we need to talk about is what is a compounding pharmacy because a lot of people just really aren't aware that there is something out there besides Walgreens in this world. Tell me, please, whoever would like to answer this, what is a compounding pharmacy? 
Hi, Betsy. Um, pharmacy compounding is a well-established, century-old practice that has served a critical public need for, for literally centuries. Compounding medications still avoid left by pharmaceutical manufacturers that produce medicines in limited dosage forms or strengths that are not suitable for every patient. We work very closely with physicians, and through a physician's prescription, we are able to compound a medication specific for that patient and that patient's specific needs. So who oversees the compounding pharmacists? Well, we are reg all compounding pharmacies uh, are regulated by our own state boards of pharmacy. Okay. Um, state boards of pharmacy, medical boards, other um, federal and state agencies, as well as the USP Pharmacopeia, and there's also a pharmacy compounding accreditation board. We um, this group of agencies have um, constructed a, a web of regulations and standards that all compounding pharmacies have to adhere to. So is it, you're more run on the state levels. If anything is done to threaten compounding pharmacists, is it usually done on the state or federal level? Well, we are, as you said, highly regulated by our own state boards of pharmacy. Every compounding pharmacy in their individual state um, would be regulated by that. We have inspections. Uh, we have um, training, that, extensive training and CE that we have to fulfill yearly to be licensed. Um, but there are national guidelines, um, the U.S. Pharmacopeia, that all states aboard, all boards of pharmacy use to regulate the uh, compounding pharmacies. The threats typically come at the federal level uh, with the FDA um, trying to oversee more of the compounding process. But tell me, um, who would ever like to answer, why are compounding pharmacists so important to autism? Well, uh, some of the things that... Um, some of the things that compounding does is fill the void when there's not something on the market that a particular physician feels is necessary for a patient. Um, it may be something like IV glutathione or um, injectable methylcobalamin that there is not a manufactured or commercially available product like it on the market. Um, it could be that we've got a lot of chemically sensitive patients that cannot um, take an injection that has a preservative. Most of the injectables on the market have benzyl alcohol. Mm -hmm. We specialize in making preservative-free um, injectables. Many compounding pharmacies do. Um, it could be that they need certain amino acids that you cannot get unless you get a, a commercially available product that might have 10 or 15 of the amino acids in it. So these are specific for a patient's needs pursuant to a prescription. Definitely understand. That is that is just so, so important. I really want to make sure everybody understands how the compounding pharmacist helps individualize the, the, the needs of the patient as opposed to just doing a generic type drug that um, is supposed to fit all. Um, and it, does it make it difficult? I mean, if you, if you patent a drug, say, for example, there's, you know, a panties, you, can you can you patent something that is um, not actually a, a drug based? Can you patent something like B12 or things such as that because it's a vitamin? I mean, in other words, can, is, is, the, is are, are the drug companies or the pharmaceutical companies pretty much do they have their hands tied with being able to um, create something like a good methyl? B12. Well, I don't know why there's not a methyl B12 on the market in an injectable form. It may be that um, the profit margin they want to make is not there. I don't really know that answer. 
usually compounding pharmacies don't patent something for usage. They may patent their method of preparation or their method of storage, but it's very hard for um, somebody other than a manufacturer that has, you know, two to $300 million for research and development sure. to go out and patent a product. And yeah, that's, I'd like to add to that. You were right on with if there's prior art, if this medication has already been used, mm-hmm. then they can't protect it. So they're not going to take the risk of taking something to market that they can't protect from a patent standpoint. A perfect example of that is bioidentical hormones. I know that it has nothing to do with the autism market. However, drug manufacturers cannot patent a hormone because they did, it's not unique to them. They did not create it. Okay. Okay. And this is Josh here with ICP. I mean, there are a lot of uh, drugs out there, a lot of uh, uh, conditions out there, patients with conditions who, who have medical needs, and there just aren't enough of them for it to be profitable for manufacturers pr- to produce um, these drugs. And so uh, these patients really do rely on, on compounded medicines because they can be prescribed individually for patients and they don't have to worry about uh, whether or not there are enough uh, other patients like them to make it profitable for manufacturers to prepare those drugs. Okay, I understand. That's that's. Thank you for all answering that because now I understand that piece, their motive a little bit more. So let's talk about the bill. This is very, very important. What is this bill potentially going to be seen? Well, we're concerned because the legislation, and it's draft legislation at this point, but it could be introduced within uh, the next couple of weeks, it eliminates certain medications widely that are used to treat many different kinds of patients, including autistic children, and it contains provisions that could allow the FDA to eliminate or, or severely restrict access to other compounded medications. Um, it interferes with the doctor-patient relationship. It allows the FDA to come up with guidance and regulations that would, that would tell doctors when they can and when they can't prescribe compounded medications. And that is a decision that has traditionally been made by doctors, and we believe that it should continue to be made by doctors and not by the FDA, certainly not by the FDA um, because it, uh, it's being lobbied so uh, aggressively by manufacturers. What What is it that the FDA feels, I mean, even, even remotely could feel like they should be the ones to be able to make these decisions on this? I, I don't even see, I mean, talk about what the bill is saying, but and we'll, I really want to get into the motives because this is a really important part of the bill is understanding the motives behind everything. But, I mean, the, the logistics of the, the thought that they would know more than the actual prescribing doctor, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. What is, what is their reasoning for that? Well, um, this is Wendy, Betsy. I think a lot of it has to do with money, as with a lot of legislation really? that we see in Washington. <laughs> yeah. um, the FDA, part of their budget is uh, provided by pharmaceutical companies. And, um, you know, they have to keep them happy to keep those dollars rolling in. Yeah. They have, um, you know, very um, widespread conflicts of interest at FDA along with pharmaceutical companies. And um, this legislation is something that was, that is being promoted and I think that, I think the group behind it is AstraZeneca and they're a manufacturer of inhalant uh, asthma drugs. Right. And right. they don't like the fact that some compounding pharmacies are making these drugs and taking that business away from them. That's right. All right, we're going to be right back. We'll talk more about the reasons behind this bill. How we need to be right back.
A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learn a Hatha Yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website, www.eomega.org. That's www.eomega.org. Or call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We are back with a wonderful all-star cast here today. I have some fabulous guests talking about the compounding pharmacy um, concern that legislation is trying to really put some snags in the way that we all help customize our children's health care. Um, part of the bill, we've been talking about the bill itself and what we're afraid is going to be introduced into legislation. Um, one of the things that wasn't mentioned was part of the interstate shipping. Can somebody please address that? Yep, I can. This is Wendy. Um, this, this bill would restrict interstate distribution of compounded medications, and um, there just aren't that many compounding pharmacies available that make the specific types of treatments that we use um, typically for our children with autism. So many of us rely on compounders that are out of our own state. I know I do. Um, I deal with three different ones, and all of them are out of my state. If this legislation were to pass, I would not be able to get any of the compounded medications from any of those uh, pharmacies. And that's uh, a huge concern to me. Even if this is the only part of the bill that made it through, it would still make all of those medications off limits to us. Dash, can you talk about more you know, why? why? Why would that even 
be an important part of this bill. And, and give me some more thoughts of this whole motive, the whole motivation. Well, I think that the manu- for the last several years, probably for the last decade or so, maybe a little longer, uh, a handful of pharmaceutical manufacturers, um, and, and most notably recently AstraZeneca and Wyeth, have been lobbying uh, very aggressively the FDA, Congress, Medicare, other uh, government agencies, other patient physician organizations to restrict compounding. They have parochial interests at heart. They make specific drugs that they perceive as being in competition with compounded medicines, even though compounded medicines by definition are significantly different from what's commercially available. Many provisions in the legislation would restrict patients' access to these medicines that AstraZeneca and Wyeth and others think compete with their own, but the bill would do a great deal of additional collateral damage, and that's really what we're concerned about. We're concerned about, uh, very concerned about the patients who are taking those, those medicines that Astra and, and Wyeth think are, are competing with them, but we're concerned also that the, the legislation would affect a whole you know, diverse array of, of patient populations. Children with autism would be harmed as a result and, and, and many other different patient populations. Um, and we think that, you know, the bill as written takes a pretty broad, heavy-handed approach um, while, you know, AstraZeneca and Wyeth have relatively narrow interests. The solutions that they support and the solutions that are proposed in this legislation would have much more uh, impact on patients broadly. Um, and interstate shipping is just one way that these manufacturers have been um, trying to restrict compounding over the course of the last several years. Um, interstate shipping would be a prohibitively cumbersome process for pharmacists, and it would likely drive a lot of pharmacists out of the interstate business. Uh, Also, FDA would be given pretty broad authority to determine how much interstate shipping is too much, and based on the way that FDA's uh, tried to regulate compounding in the past, we think that they've set that bar awfully low, and we're concerned about uh, patients like Wendy. Right, right. If if I could add to that, um, this is Angie at Wellness Pharmacy. Um, As far as, you know, Wendy was saying that she uses three different pharmacies, these pharmacies specialize preparations. We we travel all over the country um, to every meeting to learn more, to train our staff, to make sure that we're helping these specialized groups as much as we can. If somebody was to take um, a prescription to a pharmacy that was not trained in biomedical or autism, they would not be putting it in a sugar-free base or a dye-free base or certain um, flavorings they can't use. So it's very specific um, for um, compounding for these groups that that the pharmacists are trained in these specialized areas. The other thing that people don't realize is that with interstate shipping, um, you are required to be licensed in the majority of those states. Um, almost all the states, you have to be licensed to ship to a patient in that state. Okay. Okay. So we do follow this, those states' laws as well as our own state laws um, for pharmacy and compounding. Now, can somebody address is any of these concerns that this is bringing up? I mean, we've all, we all know that there's money as a motivator. There's no question about that. But... Are any of these concerns valid? Is there any part of this legislation that really should be looked at again? I think that uh, there's always room for improvement. I think there's been a tremendous amount of improvement over the course uh, of the last decade 
in terms of, of the pharmacy practice. Pharmacists over the course of the last decade have, have improved practices. Regulations at the state level have become really strong. USP standards, uh, and I won't go into USP because it's, it's another federal agency, uh, a governmental agency that, that sets standards for um, pharmacy. Those regulations, stand, rather, those standards that they've developed over the course of the last decade are really strong. Um, and uh, like I said, there are always, there's always room for improvement, but that improvement, we believe, should be made within the existing regulatory structure. Right. Uh, state boards regulate pharmacy. State boards of pharmacy know pharmacy. FDA knows manufacturing, and we think having regulators that know what they're regulating is in the best interest of patients. FDA has been regulating manufacturing for almost uh, 70 years. We think um, they've largely done a good job, uh, although I think people on this phone may violently disagree with me. I'll disagree with that. Uh, I, I, I think it's really important to note as well that part of this legislation deals with um, the ingredients that compounders use, non-sterile ingredients that are used to create a product that is then sterilized later. And these, um, this type of restriction of not allowing those particular ingredients is something that the FDA does not require for manufacturers. So they're going to place stricter regulations on the compounders than they do for their um, budget-providing pharmaceutical manufacturers. So every product that's used, does every product that's used in, in compounding have to be, <clears throat> can it be sterilized after it's made or it has to be pre-sterilized? Um, this is Angie at Wellness. Uh, we use non-sterile powders to make sterile products, for example, the IV glutathione and the methyl B12, but there is extensive in-product testing on those products um, prior to the medication being dispensed. So we get particulates, endotoxin, sterility, just like a manufacturer would be required to do. That's part of what Josh was mentioning, those uh, stringent standards, but the federal USP 797, which is for the sterile lab, USP 795 relates to the non-sterile lab as far as testing and, uh, you know, our standards of procedure here. And every pharmacy, if the state has adopted that, which most states have, then there are very strict guidelines to protect the patient. They were put in place to protect the patient. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, and I think I, think I, I cut off a few people in that process of, of that coming out. So if anybody needs to, to add to that, please do. But, but my next question is more towards the mothers of asthmatics, <clears throat> the, the group that's, that's pushing this. And, I, and I'd like to understand more as to is this an individual case? Did something very individual happen to some child? So this very angry group is getting together because of what has happened. Um, what, is, what is the mothers of asthmatics motive for this? Sure. They've raised some concerns about cases in which doctors have prescribed uh, Pulmacort and other manufactured products that are used by children with asthma, and uh, the, the pharmacists have substituted, without the doctors or the patient's knowledge, compounded versions of those uh, products, or that they've promoted their compounded medicines as generics, and compounded and generic medicines are completely different. Oh, sure. Um, They've raised some some anecdotal cases, and, and I don't want to dispute or take away anything from from mothers of asthmatics. I think we're all very concerned if, if those things have happened. But what we're also concerned about is that the proper channels, the existing regulatory channels, haven't really been explored. State boards, every state board of pharmacy, all 50 state boards, um, declare that kind of 
behavior blatantly illegal. It's very, it's already clearly illegal to substitute one drug for another without a doctor's permission. It's pharmacy one-on-one. You fill what the doctor writes. And it doesn't matter whether you're substituting one manufactured drug for another or whether you're substituting a compounded medicine. It's substitution and it's illegal. And we're concerned that all the other things that this bill does would have collateral damage and wouldn't narrowly address the base concerns of the Mothers of Asthmatics. And actually, we think that the base concerns of that organization are already addressed by existing laws, both at the federal and the state level. I would think so. And I would be confused to wonder why they don't see that as well, too, if somebody wasn't kind of nudging them a little bit and say, you know, we need your help to go behind this. I think, Betsy, it's important to note that the Mothers of Asthmatics group, while I'm sure, you know, most of the members are really dedicated parents and concerned about the health of their children, that group is funded to the tune of millions of dollars by AstraZeneca. And the chairman of that group is an employee of AstraZeneca. Okay. So it's not like it's a small little support group of moms. No. In that situation, you know, apparently parents were misled into thinking they were getting a commercially available product. Sure. And that's something that those state boards of pharmacy, like Josh said, should be regulating and probably are regulating. Right. The fact that most compounding pharmacies, you don't make essential copies of a commercially available medication. We make things that there is not a dosage form or a form already on the market that could help these patients. And, you know, part of compounding pharmacy is to let these patients know that you can't get this at your local pharmacy. You have to go to a specialized compounding pharmacy to get this. This is a compounded medication. And that's something that, you know, is part of the pharmacist's ability or responsibility to tell the patient. Okay. So tell me who in government is behind this bill. The lead sponsor is Senator Ted Kennedy, who is the chairman of the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. And he has two prospective Republican co-sponsors, Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina and Senator Pat Roberts, the Republican of Kansas. They're the sponsors behind the legislation, although it hasn't been introduced yet. So with these, what are they looking to gain through the sponsorship of this? Is it just their own particular ties to the pharmaceutical companies for donations? Or obviously there's always the lobbying money involved. But do they have any affiliation with Mothers of Asthmatics? Do they have any affiliation with AstraZeneca? Do you know anything that's connected with that? AstraZeneca has a lot stronger ties to, much stronger ties to Republicans than to Democrats. I think they gave three times as much money to Republicans in the last election cycle, to Republicans than to Democrats. And I don't think that Senator Kennedy, and I probably can't speak for him, but I think his history has been one of opposition to the pharmaceutical industry overall. So we're surprised to see him sponsoring this legislation. I think that the senators have probably good intentions, but I don't know that they understand really 
what they're sponsoring. Yeah, pharmacy is a really complicated profession and practice, and, and little seemingly innocuous provisions within, within a bill can have really broad, far-reaching and, and consequences. Right. right. All right, we'll be right back. We'll be talking more about what's going to happen to medicine if we lose our compounding farm. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. The true meaning of your dreams doesn't have to be a mystery. Join host Bob Haas, author and pioneer in dream science, to understand what your dreams mean and how they impact your daily life. Bob and his panel of experts from the International Association for the Study of Dreams will provide facts about dreams and discuss techniques of translating your own dreams and how you can use them for your mental and physical well-being. Dreamtime will further explore the research and science of dreaming and deliver a powerful comprehension of the function of dreaming. Listen live to Dreamtime with Bob Haas every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network and discover the science behind your dreams. Again, that's every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Good health is more than good medicine. Good health starts with good nutrition. On Designer Health with certified nutritionist, author, and host, Carol Simontachi, get back on the health track. Carol provides expert advice as your mom, your nutritionist, and your health coach. From eating your vegetables, the hows and whys of good food and meal preparation, to insight into nutritional supplements and tips to progress on the road to wellness. Designer Health with Carol Simontachi, broadcast each Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Designer Health, achieve your personal health goals one step at a time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. Welcome back, and we are talking today about um, the compounding pharmacy legislation that we're hoping is going to um, be dismissed and not considered to be introduced. What I'd like to ask now is a question pretty much based on the whole Walmart effect. And the Walmart effect is that whole piece of big corporations buying out the little corporations so that um, the little ones can't, or driving the little ones out of business so that they can't even compete. How much of this, I would like to know, is just one more way to help 
destroy the little businesses and make the big um, the big pharmacy companies, the big, uh, the, big, the places such as we talked before, like the Walgreens of this world, make it so that the, the, the little mom-and-pop compounding pharmacists cannot survive. Is, there, is, is, is this behind it as well, too? I don't think so. Uh, I think the manufacturers certainly are a driving force behind restrictions on pharmacy compounding. But I think the pharmacy compounding just isn't a big um, issue for, for chain drugstores. There are some, like Walgreens, that do some compounding. But our concern is that actually, and, and many patients may rely on Walgreens for compounding, I think the, the restrictions and the requirements that this would create for pharmacies would make it really hard not only for mom-and-pop pharmacies, but for chains to, to compound. And I think com, uh, chain drugstores that compound would just get out of it altogether, and that would um, deny their patients that option. Also, I think, and this is Marianne from Wellness, also, if these regulations are, um, are taken in and, and we are, have to adhere to some of these things, it's ultimately going to drive the cost of the medications that we're providing the patients now um, up to it might be cost prohibitive for parents of autistic children to be able to use the medications because the regulations that we're following now, all the paperwork that would um, be combined with that and further um, implementation, it could possibly affect the cost of the medications. And compounding pharmacies, of course, um, are very specialized and, you know, we do um, certain things, but one thing we do try to do is keep costs of medications down. And um, these, this implication might mean that the, the uh, products might be more costly. Okay. I can understand that. I, 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 I have met some wonderful compounding pharmacists in my time, and I want to make sure that they all stay in business, and I want to do what we can to support them. Because I don't think that people even necessarily who may be listening today are thinking outside the box enough of just autism. I mean, uh, our, our deficiencies in glutathione that we've passed on to our children um, has, have come from something. So, so us as adults, I take glutathione. Um, I have children who are not on the spectrum who take B12 injectables. I have, you know, a, a wide variety of needs of compounding pharmacists in my life because so many of us have food intolerances and I can't have gluten and dairy and my son can't have sugar and he can't have food colorings and it's like it goes on and on and on to all of our needs and not to mention certain things like amino acids when you have those together. Let's talk more about the type of people that this bill is going to affect. I think there are a lot of different kinds of patient populations that rely on compounded medicines, and, and I'll get to that. I just want to make one really important point. Sure. Compounded medicines are prescription drugs, and, and because they're prescription drugs, the doctor is always at the, at the head of the uh, equation. The doctor is always making the decision, you know, looking at a patient on a patient-by-patient patient basis and determining when a manufactured product is available or when a compounded medicine is available. So there's, a, there's always a doctor involved, and doctors are determining every day that there are patients whose needs are not met by manufactured products. So the, doctors, the doctor is always involved in making that decision. And whether the doctor determines that a compounded medicine is, is um, needed or not, we're concerned that this legislation would deny the, that doctor that ability to make that determination. Um, but the kinds of patients, other kinds of patients beyond autistic patients, um, cancer patients, dermatology patients, dental care, hospice care, uh, patients very much rely on compounded medicines, uh, sports injury patients, um, 
Other pediatrics. Other pediatric patients. Ophthalmologists. Ophthalmologists. Oh, wow. Ophthalmology is a, is a huge. Uh, ophthalmologists are very supportive of pharmacy compounding because there's a, a compounded uh, medicine that's not available from manufacturers um, that they use to treat macular degeneration. Mm, that's interesting. I didn't know about that. Okay. Well, good. So we need to start getting into the um, activism role that we all are now needing to play and what we need to do to, to stop this and to make this never even become um, introduced or at least what we can do to persuade um, our own local government to make sure that they don't support this any further. Where do we go with this first? Well, I think this is Wendy from the National Autism Association. I think it's really important that everybody uh, gets in touch with their senators from their state. Um, this This is draft legislation, so there is no bill number to refer to as of yet, and hopefully there won't be. Um, but this bill, this draft is being passed around on the Hill, and it's being referred to as the Safe Drug Compounding Act of 2007. Um, I think it's important for us all to contact our senators and let them know that um, we do not want this bill to be introduced, that this will severely restrict our ability continue, to continue treating our children, and uh, just let them know that that you're aware of it and you're trying to put a stop to it before it even progresses. You can um, go to nationalautism.org to sign up for our mailing list and we'll be sending out action alerts on what you can say and how to contact your legislators. There's also information at savemymedicine.org and at um, the A-CHAMP website, which is a-champ.org, and all of us are working on um, providing information to help a grassroots effort um, trying to nip this legislation in the bud. I want to make sure I get all of these right because I want to make sure we people have heard this a couple times. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they need to go to, to the NAA website? Yes, nationalautism.org. Nationalautism.org. They need to go to Save My Medicine. Is that .org also? Yes. Okay. And then ACHAMP, A-C-H-A-M-P. It's A-C-H-A-M-P. C-H-A-M-P, A-CHAMP.org. Great. All right. Um, I'd I'd just add, you know, in addition to writing to your senators and using any of those websites to do so, I I would encourage everybody who's listening to tell all your friends to get involved, um, tell your doctors to get involved. We need physicians who can can talk about how they rely on compounded medicines to treat their patients. Everybody... Uh, who's affected by this and all the friends of people who are affected by this and who rely on compounded medicines need to get involved and need to write to their members of Congress as well. I think, you know, the manufacturers clearly have the muscle, but if we have the passion and the voice, we can we can defeat this legislation. Absolutely. And, and one more thing to note, Betsy, is that um, when you're contacting your legislators, the best way to do that is with a phone call. Call and ask to speak with their health staffer and let them know that you strongly oppose this bill. Um, the phone calls and faxes are much more effective in the legislators' offices than um, just the emails that they receive. I would think so because they know that those can be just, you know, press a button and it goes out to a million. I, I really would like to know what the doctors uh, – my husband is a medical doctor, pediatrician, and, of course, is very much against this um, as he works with a, a large amount of autism. But what about your mainstream traditional doctor – what, what are they feeling about? What would you think they would feel about this? 
Well, we think they should all all be concerned. We know what we know what they should be. <laughs> we just want to know what they really are. Because I mean, does does your standard HMO in some sort of a healthcare situation, doctor? How often are they using a compounding pharmacist, and do they look like? Do they think of it as a bother because it's one more piece of work they have to do, or do they actually look as a, look at it as an as an asset? Betsy, this is Marcy Kelly. Yeah. I um, want to comment on that. Just that compounded medications tend to be used by more specialists, people yeah. who are uncommon patients, or that a, a regular family doctor might consider a problem patient and send to a specialist. You know, we might treat that 1% of patients that, that your family doctor can't really solve the problem for. And so those people do end up at specialized pediatric offices or pain management clinics or, you know, in a hospice setting. So, so I think that the people who are the most concerned are, I think, the people who are the most affected by this and who are going to have their rights of using these kinds of alternatives taken away. I just want to make sure that we don't have a whole... Um, set of doctors who who claim to be representing the doctors of America and who are really saying this isn't necessary, this is costing us more time, this is costing us more money, because I can understand where uh, you you have a, um, the insurance company, I could see where insurance company may be for it because it it costs them more to deal with compounding. Does it it or does it not? Well, insurance primarily doesn't cover compounded medication, as many of us that are parents know, um, we pay out of pocket. This is is considered, you know, um, something that we're responsible for. Now, most compounding pharmacies do provide a universal claim form with the medication when they dispense it to the patient, and those universal claim forms can be submitted to the insurance companies for reimbursement, but oftentimes they're not reimbursed. So... um, we care enough that we're willing to pay out of pocket for these medications. That's, so we don't use them lately. <laughs> well, and, and they may be feeling threatened that they are going to be. be. I, my, I, I, I'm, the reason I'm asking these questions is I want to know who we have to persuade in this and, and who we may potentially have to fight through this because um, getting I mean, the doctors involved is very important. This is Angie at Wellness again. I mean, personally, I think the group like pediatricians, urologists, dermatologists, we're right in a hub of physicians' office, offices um, with pediatricians in those type areas, and we get prescriptions every day from those offices. Good, good. The majority of commercially available products, still a lot that they send to us that are specific for that. That's great to hear. Okay, good. So we got the doctors on our side. Let's go forward. To get back, we're going to finish talking about how we're going to introduce um, it for the Safe Drug Compounding Act 2007. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child 
who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We're back with this wonderful group of individuals who are helping us understand the safe drug compound. Safe Drug Compounding Act of 2007 and how we want to make sure that this is not a part of our legislation. Um, Marcy, I, let's, let's, I want to finish the show by definitely giving people more some more proactive ways of, of getting involved and getting us stopped. But um, tell me real quickly, in, in your life with your son, if you didn't have compounding pharmacists, how would it have affected you? Well, it would have been devastating. When I heard about this legislation, I was really very alarmed. I'm a professional in the compounding pharmacy industry, which is why I knew about it. But when my son Dylan was diagnosed with autism when he was two, and um, he was very, very sick, and we went to specialized doctors that treated the underlying conditions that are associated with autism, um, you know, we used a lot of compounded medica- medication as part of his therapy. And I can't imagine, um, you know, what would have happened in the mid-course of that intensive period when he was on not only special diets but nutritional supplements and a couple of different compounded medications, what would have happened if I had to stop the compounded medication as part of his program? I mean, he is a case study in what a difference this kind of biomedical medication can make. He he went from being moderately autistic when he was two to, you know, he's in second grade and he is mainstreamed. He doesn't have an aid. He has a normal IQ. He plays piano. He plays soccer. He was able to get his health back, and with his health came his development. So I am very invested in preserving patient access to these compounded medications. We were fortunate to have access when my son needed it, and the children who are are needing it now need to have that access, uh, have the right to have that medication when they need it as well. I definitely agree. Josh, I, uh, tell me more about SaveMyMedicine.org. Sure. SaveMyMedicine.org is, is the website for patients and professionals for customized care. Um, patients and professionals for customized care is a grassroots organization that is uniting 
patients, physicians, and loved ones who rely on compounded medicines, either for themselves, for their relatives, or to treat their patients. And uh, what we've done on this website is we've created a lot of different tools for people to use. Um, tools to stay educated. We have e-alerts where you can stay up to date now on the Safe Drug Compounding Act, um, where it is in the legislative process, who's behind it, what's it, what does it do, and what can you do to be involved. And, and we have action alerts that we send out regularly to our members um, that uh, give people the ability to, to very easily write to their member of Congress, both their representatives and their senators, um, to express their concern uh, about uh, the, the Drug Compounding Act. Um, it's free to join. All you need to do is uh, uh, sign up. Uh, your name and your email address will get you a newsletter and the action alerts. And um, really, it's going to give um, give us the voice that we need to combat the, the money and might of big pharma. Um, and so when I say, you know, w when everybody here on the phone says write to your member of Congress, you can use tools like savemymedicine.org and nationalautism.org and a-champ.org um, to do that. But also I just want to stress again how important it is for, for not just the people listening to get involved, but for everyone to get involved. Conditions like autism don't just affect those with the conditions themselves, but the people caring for them, living with them, teaching them, treating them, and all of these people need to be involved. So tell everyone you can about uh, the Safe Drug Compounding Act. Tell them uh, about the autism groups that you're a member of, tell them about SaveMyMedicine.org, and hopefully we can get tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people to engage on this and fight. I'd like to see that happen. So let's go over again some of the websites that you can all go to to get um, involved with this. And, and they're all very important. It would be great if you could visit all of them and sign up individually. So we, we just talked about SaveMyMedicine.org. Also, um, as we have... Um, Wendy um, Fournier re representing National Autism Association, and their website is nationalautism.org. And uh, a third one that you can do to get involved with is achamp.org, and it's a, I'm going to make sure I say this right, a-champ.org, is that correct? Yes. Okay, yes. good. And what can they do with that website? Um, there are action alerts on that website that do uh, automated emails to your legislator based on your zip code. Okay. Very convenient. Again, you want to you want to do that and and make sure that your emails go through. But it's also really important to just pick up the phone and make a quick phone call. You don't have to get into the details of the bill. You just need to contact the health staffer in your senator's office and let them know that you're aware of this legislation and that you are strongly against it. That would be very very important. We want to really make sure that you all understand that um, our concerns through all of this have nothing to do with the fact that we want to lower regulations. We want to understand that the states and the federal on the federal level, they are regulating. We just want need to have the freedom to be able to produce the products that we need to help our children and help ourselves. Um, the, I, you know, the name Safe Drug Compounding Act definitely makes us sound like we're the bad ones, that we're the ones that are saying we don't want them safe. Yes, we want them safe, but they are safe. They are being regulated, and that's being done on, on both state and federal level. We just want to make sure we have access to all of the different components that we need. Um, can can some and those are all pieces that you need to make sure you use when you when you do call your um, congress or your senator. Can can you please? There are a lot of people out there who have never done this before. They have never called um, any office whatsoever. Can somebody give 
somebody an idea as to what will happen when they answer the phone um, on the other line so that they're prepared for what it is they should say. Yeah, I can do that. That'd be great. Okay. Um, when you call your senator's office, um, a staffer will pick up the phone, and you will ask to speak with a health aide or a health staffer, and they will transfer you to the person that handles that particular senator's health legislation issues. Um, you want to you want to talk to that person, let them know that you are a constituent of that particular senator, tell them where you live. Mention the Safe Drug uh, Compounding Act of 2007, and it is draft legislation that's being distributed on the Hill now that you've read the legislation. You're very concerned about the effect that it will have on your, uh, your health uh, care for your child and that you're asking your senator to not support this legislation. And that's it. Very, very simple. They're not typically rude. They, they do. No, no, no. They're and very, most of the time, extremely courteous. They're interested in what you have to say, and they have notebooks on their desks. And, and when you call in, they make a note of, you know, the fact that you called and that you, you know, what your opinion is on the particular issue that you're calling about, and they keep a log of all of that, and uh, it all ends up going back to the senator, and they're made aware. I don't know if I should ask this of Marcy or Josh, but um, or, or actually anyone, um, both um, Angie or, or Marianne might be able to answer this too, but is, is this the last? That we're going to see of this. I mean, you know, this is this safe compounding act to me is just the beginning of. Well, it's not even the beginning. We're we're midway through this whole piece of um, big pharma trying to kind of uh, stomp out the, the little person, and I, I'm very concerned about this. And, and they're they're going to be looking for other ways of which to do this. What other areas should we be concerned in, and should we be looking towards, and, and how can we best support our compounding pharmacists? I, I think that this definitely isn't the last, and it's really the culmination of a lot of work that the manufacturers have, have been doing for the last several years. Um, but I think, you know, like I said earlier, the, the um, strength of existing regulations at the state level, the strength of, of standards at the federal level have really um, Increased over the course of the last several years. And if this legislation is defeated, I think you're going to see that trend continue. You're going to see state boards beefing up regulations. You're going to be seeing stronger federal standards. And I think as that happens, it's going to make it harder and harder to justify legislation. So uh, hopefully this is their their last chance, and hopefully um, it, it will be defeated. Um, but I think we're going to be in a constant uh, struggle to defend uh, pharmacy compounding against um, regulatory encroachment that's being driven by manufacturers. Excellent. I, we have like one, we have about one minute left, actually. Oh, I guess we don't have any time left. <laughs> okay. I was just going to put some final words in, but I think we've really said it all and we've all said it well. Thank you to all of my guests for joining us today. This was a very important show. Please ask your friends and family to listen to the show as archives are both on Voice America, they are, will be on Our Autism One, and they will be on my website at pathwaysmed.com. Please, um, we will try to get these up on the National Autism as well, too. Listen to the archives. Thank you so much for joining us today. Goodbye to everyone. The Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.